And Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards for his last couple of hours as Dean heads off to the Pride Parade float for WGN Television. Taking place, uh, I believe he said, around Broadway and Montrose and then going into the Lakeview area. So if you're out that way, wave to Dean. Apparently wearing shorts. A bare-legged Dean Richards. Wow. With one of his trademark hats as well. So if you're out that way, I'm sure it's going to be a fun uh, fun parade. Haven't, hasn't had, uh, we haven't had a, a parade Pride Parade here in Chicago for two years because of COVID. So uh, I'm sure everybody is getting excited. So uh, if you're in the neighborhood, give a wave to Dean. If you are not in the neighborhood and you're near a radio, keep it tuned right here to 720 AM. Jim Toronto will be with you here until 1 o'clock, and then we'll hand things off to Steve Dale. But right now, as I said, Dean gave me the baton, so I'll be um, finishing the relay race until 1 o'clock. Now, Shwanaroo... We were talking yes, a little sir. bit about this uh, before, uh, when Dean was here, about uh, our instruments, our voices. You know, we, usually we think of musical instruments for people that, uh, that play an instrument, but, you know, those of us in the talking game, our voices are our instruments. That is correct. And uh, as I said uh, before, earlier in the show, I was, I was doing a play here in Chicago, um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and... Beginning with the rehearsals, which were five days a week, and the shows, which were five shows a week, um, it's a three. It's a more than three hour show, and um, so as about a week before the end of the run, I felt a major. Uh, I, I don't even know what you'd say. I, my, my I didn't have laryngitis per se, but I, I was my voice started to crack, and you as you if anybody has had a sore throat or a hoarse voice. It's amazing how difficult it can be to talk. You, you know, talking becomes is so so natural to us. But my gosh, when your voice is not at full capacity, you really have to fight with your throat. Yeah, you really do. And I am one who still has their tonsils. So oh yeah, so do get, I. Yeah. If you get a if you get a sore throat, or even worse, like a strep throat, and your tonsils are inflamed and your throat is inflamed, it's it's painful to talk. Yeah, and so uh, so right in the middle of uh, in the mi- in the midway through one of the shows, I I was there was a lot of screaming, there's a lot of talking. My my character is basically on stage for for probably three hours, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of talking going on, and all of a sudden I just felt my voice go down a little, and uh, so I got through the show. And I don't think anybody really noticed it. Uh, in the audience, I certainly noticed it, and I think our stage director did because, for a moment that I was off, she brought me some hot water with lemon. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she's like, "Do All you right. need this?" And I said, "Oh yeah, is it that obvious?" She said, "No, no." I, she said, "I, I mean, I've been listening to you in rehearsals. I could, you know, for the last several months, so I could tell that your voice level went a little down. Now my voice." volume at even at even 75 percent is still pretty loud (laughs) i'll agree to that (laughs) but um so uh for then a week straight i was on vocal rest during the day so i could get through these shows Um, but then i was also trying to find remedies for a sore throat so um I'll, i'll share with you some of the things that i've had but i'd like to hear you know, Shwani and 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 Andy, if you have any as well that I didn't use, and if there's any anybody out there listening, if you've had a really bad sore throat and you have one of these age old remedies, because the more I went online, there really isn't a lot out there except to rest. There are some things you could do to help it along, but there's there doesn't seem to be like one magic bullet that oh this will get your voice back. It just seems like rest is the yeah. is the only thing, yeah. but but you certainly want to try to at least get some of your timber back. Um, so I was just wondering, is there anything that you have experienced in your career? Because you know, like I said, you've been talking for a living for what 30, 30 some years, forty years, yeah. forty years, forty three actually. So I'm assume that some days you're on the radio uh, and you weren't at tip top shape, and, oh, but right. you still had to get right. through it, right? And I've been very fortunate, though. I mean, I, I don't recall a time where I've just been so hoarse that I can't do this. You know, although I do recall a time or two when I was on with Dean at uh, a former radio station. 
Nation, another place where we worked uh, back in the early 90s. I did have a problem, and uh, boy, did he make fun of me. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, we we were talking about a couple hours earlier here, uh, Elton. It was the same basic thing that that, uh, we all would use, an old standby, gargling with warm salt water. Or a very good throat lozenge, a cough drop. Just that soothing, um, uh, you know, throat lozenge that melts, you know, in your mouth and you swallow, kind of coating your throat. That's worked for me. And, you know, just taking it easy with rest. And that's hard to do because we're talkers by nature. But that's the type of thing that is the best remedy for this. Andy, have you had any kind of thing that you've used? I mean, when you uh, travel baseball and uh, you're calling games all summer long. Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, Especially with uh, with, I have bad allergies and get sinus infections and things like that. You know, the things that help me, I mean, uh, Listerine, believe it or not, gargling with a little Listerine before I go to the ballpark. That'll work. And I always had the lemon candies with me. Oh. Those little lemon candies always worked for so me. So not necessarily like a, like a medicated lozenge, but just no. a candy. Yeah, just something to kind of soothe the uh, soothe it, and maybe you know uh, give you a little flavor and kind of forget about it a little bit. So it is. A, so it is. A, is it about lubricating it? To me, it is. Yeah, to me, it was about uh, just you know because usually when I get a sore throat, it's 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 really dry and it just doesn't feel you know you, you have a hard time swallowing and yeah. I think that uh, you know the sweetness of that whole thing. And now, some people will debate it. A lot of people tell me that you know you should be drinking tea. I like. I, I'm not a big tea person. Uh, I still drink a little coffee just to kind of get it uh, to get it going. But uh, it's, it's weird. The lemon candy usually helps. Yeah, I uh, I was on a regimen. Uh, I, I started with the like you were saying, Shwani. I started with the with the warm water and the salt water, and then you know that salt water is just it's so terrible. It, it tastes bad. I mean, even though you try to well, gargle with it. Well, it, no, but you gargle with it. with it. Some of it gets down your throat. You yeah, can't yeah, help that. Yeah, yeah. And I think to some extent you want it to get somewhere down your throat because you want it to loosen whatever is blocking your passages, whether it's uh, you know mucus or whatever it might be. So then I went, and I'm not a tea drinker at all. I'm not even a hot beverage. I'm not a coffee drinker. But I went through um, a lot of tea, and actually somebody recommended me a, a an organic tea called Throat Coat. I've heard of that. Yeah. I've had that yeah. before, too. Yeah. And they swore by throat coat. So I, I went through about three boxes of throat coat. As I said before, I went through about six bottles, bears, six bear bottles of honey. So I had the throat coat with honey in it. I was using lozenges. I was using either Halls or uh, the, the Ricola or Ricola, whichever they call it. You Ricola. Know? Ricola. Yeah. And, uh, Those are good. Yeah, so yeah. I was using those, and and then I remembered a story that I had heard many years before. Elton John, of course, was telling a story that he had met uh, the rock singer Leon Russell. And early in his career, Leon Russell told Elton of a throat remedy that he used, and Elton to this day says he swears by it. So I remember reading about this story many years ago. I remember that he talked about it in his recent autobiography. So I got the book and I found it. And sure enough, he goes, it's, it's, it's cider vinegar, uh, a spoon of cider vinegar, a spoon of honey, and and hot water. And you have to make the water as hot as you can take it. And once again, you don't drink this. You gargle it, like you were saying, with the salt water. And... Elton said, you'd be surprised what comes out. And I'll tell you, that, <laughs> that vinegar must do something to loosen because, you know, I tried, I said before, I tried to, to get it down my throat as much as I could. So then I was kind of, you know, actually gagging. And as I was coughing, wow, you can't even imagine what is in your throat. That yeah. is, a, it, it, I would love to see when you have a sore throat, like what is really going on in there? And so uh, I did this for literally five days in a row, and thankfully I did get through it, and I my 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 voice did get strong to a point to enough to to do the show, and then as this three hour show went on, it started to to wear down a little, but at least I w- was able to get through it. But the one thing that was interesting one night, I had to really growl, and something came up from my throat. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and now I had I had lines to say. And my mouth was filled, and so I was like, what do I do? I can't spit this out on stage. <laughs> and I'm like, so thankfully, I had to turn my back to the audience, and I just did a quick wipe on my sleeve. <laughs> and I'm like, and I didn't see it, and I had two lines to deliver, and then I was done with the act. The whole act was done. The lights went out, and I went off stage. 
And my gosh, I looked at my sleeve and went, because I didn't want to swallow that either. No. Because, because then, then I may have... right back to where you started. Exactly. So my body was actually doing me a favor by, <laughs> by getting it out. But I was on stage going, I say to myself, I can't, if I talk right now, I, I'll be, I'll... It was so much came out. So... So yeah, I was I went online and like you're saying, it was salt water, it was lozenges, yep. it was candy, yep. and it really is vocal rest. And I don't know if you if you saw, but recently the, the the Dixie Chicks, now they're called the Chicks, but they started a new tour and they just did a show in Indianapolis uh, or Indiana somewhere uh, about a week or so ago, and within a half hour the lead singer, Natalie Maines, called off the show. Walked off, said, I can't talk anymore. I can't sing. Hmm. So this is a really serious. You know, if those of us who talk for a living, and you talk a lot, it's it's amazing how something that comes so naturally. My gosh, when your throat is impaired, uh, it's it's a it's serious business. And y'all, yeah, and, whether or not you talk for a living, it still is. Yeah, and and I was there was sometimes you know you're so. I was saying to myself, is my voice ever really going to come back? Because at that moment, you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know it's it keeps being hoarse every day and you keep doing these same kind of uh, you know remedies but uh, so I'm glad at least I was doing what I was supposed to do based on what you're saying what both of you have said I I, I was I was following the right directions I guess it just is vocal rest at the end of the day you can do something to soothe it but you just can't talk no you know you no. need to contact you need to contact the college basketball coach. <laughs> That's a good point. Because I tell you what, at the beginning of the year, you, you do, I, I emceed a couple of uh, tip-off luncheons, you know, the, just before the season gets started, and the coach is talking like this, and he's talking very strong. And then you do the uh, end of the year banquet, and I want to thank these guys. Uh, you know, yeah. Because they scream and They're yell. screaming and yell. I never thought of that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good sure. point. Yeah. I wonder what they do. And especially, they're, they're screaming over the crowd. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, and and even when they're huddling, you know, for strategy, mm-hmm. they're they're yelling at the guys, even they're they're yeah. close in like that. Yeah, and I was wondering too because my, my wife was mentioning like, oh, you shouldn't drink any milk products or something. There's, I, I wonder if there's also some things that we shouldn't be drinking or eating that might affect the voice that may add to uh, the blockage or whatever is going on in there, but. Um, not not fun, kind of scary. But uh, I was just wondering if there was if there was something that that I'm because I'm already looking to the next time, <laughs> like saying, is there something that might help it help my voice get yeah, back quicker? Well, but if I'm if I'm home and you know I'm having a problem at night before you know you go to bed, I'll gargle with salt water and take some throat lodges with me uh, the next morning. I was putting work. a hot compress on it too. Just to keep it warm. Well, I didn't sure. Know, you that, know. Why not? You yeah. Know, anything like that yeah. might help. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to know. I just wanted to find out. You guys are pros, so I just wanted to make sure that I was I was tapping all the uh, the expertise out there. Yep. But yep. yeah, unfortunately, Take there's two aspirin. Call me in the morning. There's no panacea, if you will, for this. No. Uh, and you can look that up. Google that. That's a good word. Look up that word if you don't know it. But uh, anyway, so that's good. My voice is back. It's strong as can be. And it's right here at 720 uh, a.m. in Chicago, WGN. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. But listen, anyway, we'll be back after this. No switching. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards here at WGN, 720 a.m. But listen, anyway. And we go right into, uh, from the Beach Boys, into... A little Elvis. Because this week on Friday, the new Elvis film biopic was released. And we're going to go to the Pop Culture Club with uh, my friend and uh, pop culture guru Mick Kaler to talk about the film. And also, on a bigger uh, kind of vein, is it possible to make Elvis cool again? In 2022, we'll talk about that too. Mikaeler, welcome to the show. Hey, pal, how you doing? Very good. Um, so you saw uh, the Elvis film this week? Yeah, I went to a uh, screening on Thursday night, and uh, all the good things that you're hearing about it are absolutely true. It's uh, a big, splashy, bigger than life film. You know, a biopic of Elvis and his life and his relationship with the Colonel, with Colonel Parker. And um, it's it's big like Elvis was, and just and, and by the way, people say oh it's two and a half hours long. That's too long. No, 
when the two and a half hours was up, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe when we were getting to the end of the movie. I was like, we're done? I could go for more. That's always a good sign. Now, we should say that uh, this film was uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann, who uh, is known probably best for uh, Moulin Rouge. Right. Which is a very big, you know, his his films are always very big and loud and colorful and, and sort of have this, this elevated sense of reality like Moulin Rouge was, which was historical and yet it played fast with, with some of the uh, historical facts. And I would assume, I'm wondering, uh, you're, you're some a, a fairly big Elvis fan. Um, did you see them taking a little creative liberty with some things? I, th- I think there was with some of the controversy with Elvis, especially, you know, I mean, obviously the TV stuff was one thing, you know, he couldn't shake his hips and do all that. Uh, they got a little heavy on that. But the one thing I never knew before, and maybe this is true, they in the film show Elvis's mother to be a very heavy drinker. And I've read a bunch of books about Elvis, and I don't remember reading a lot about that, but maybe she was that, and uh, that some of what contributed to her passing, which was, of course, one of Elvis's big heart breaks but like you said uh Baz Luhrmann with the way he makes films it's just so active I mean there's there's not a there's not a moment that you're like this is dull this is dragging and it's because of the way he presents a film and uh this Austin Butler who plays Elvis (laughs) there are times it's almost spooky uh when he talks like him and sings like Elvis too yeah now this is someone I mean I understand that uh I I never heard of him but I think that he he came from that uh the Disney Channel uh, you know, background like so many of the younger stars of today have that that background of having worked in the Disney Channel on some shows. And I think that's where 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 a lot of his background came from, and a lot of younger people would know that. For him to get this role, it certainly was a, a surprise. He's not a household name. No, not at all. But, uh, he, really, but he really inhabits uh, Elvis and the persona and the moves. And like I said, it's almost spooky sometimes, but really, really fun to watch. Do they do so? So, how far of Elvis is like? Is it is it complete from 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 birth to death? Yeah, they they show him as a little boy checking out uh, some tent revivals uh, happenings going on. They show about his father having trouble with the law when he's very young, and he's a little boy, and he sees um, uh, a bunch of black musicians and how they play and how they perform, and he sees this uh, tent revival thing happening, which is almost like a religious experience to a young Elvis, and they go right up to when he dies. Uh, They don't do a lot of the, you know, when he was so overweight and the jumpsuit thing. They don't show as much of that, but they do go into the, you know, the issues with Dr. Nick and the drugs and all that. Oh, so they do have, oh, they do do Dr. Nick then with the prescription. Oh, Dr. Nick's name quite often. The colonel was working close with him to make sure that Elvis was up for performing in his, uh, you know, stage shows and all that. Yeah, there's a lot of that. So, um, now, so explain or or give me a sense, um, you know, Colonel Tom Parker is a very interesting, uh, you know, character. Um, you know, he was Elvis's uh, manager. He's known for taking fifty percent of Elvis's uh, income, which you know most managers or agents take ten or fifteen, but he took fifty. He was a carnival barker. He certainly was a uh, was a manipulator, um, but at the same time, um, he did recognize Elvis's talent and he did bring Elvis to the masses um, how does he come off in this movie he comes across and, and, and Tom Hanks playing Colonel Parker you know he'll say he'll, he'll narrate in the movie you know some will see me as a villain in this and in some ways I think he was in the way he manipulated Elvis but like you said he brought Elvis to the masses he saw him on the Louisiana Hayride and like oh wow this guy's a big attraction everyone seems to be interested in him and this is when Colonel Parker was uh, running a show with Hank Snow the country star but Colonel Parker was always looking for that big thing and like you said former Carnival Barker they also go into the fact that Colonel Parker isn't his real name right. and that he <laughs> could not travel out of the country because because he had some kind of uh, he had lack of citizenship even in the United States. And they go into a, quite a bit about Colonel Parker's past being very dark and possibly something sinister happening. Uh, back and he wasn't a colonel, right? He wasn't a colonel. No, not enough, none of that. He just took that because it sounded so American. He right. You know, the one thing you say about Colonel Parker, he recognized what people in America would, you know, glom onto and say, oh, that, he's probably like us. And that's, he certainly did that. And there's a lot of, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Hanks has a lot of makeup on, doesn't he? 
He really does, and his voice is, you know, again, he got this foreign accent, and some people, I've read some of the reviews where they were kind of turned off by Tom Hanks' performance because it was so creepy and manipulative, manipulative and I'm like, well, wait a minute, that's what Colonel Parker was, so come on, that's what he's playing, he's playing the role. Well, I could speak to that uh, in first on a first-hand basis because about uh, 15, maybe now 20 years ago, I met Colonel Tom. Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, I'm born on Elvis's birthday on January eighth, right. and uh, at the time I was working in public relations, and I was I was at a trade show, which is called you know the the Consumer Electronics Show, which is a big show in Vegas every year, and it's always the first week of January. So uh, I was always there for my birthday. I was always in Vegas for my birthday, <laughs> and so I can't remember if it, it was some milestone. Um, either birthday for Elvis. I think it was a milestone birthday for Elvis. Like a 50th or 60th. Yeah, something like that. And so, and at the Hilton, which was originally the International Hotel where Elvis first played his uh, his very you know famous uh, Vegas shows in, in 1969. Right, yeah, yeah. So uh, Colonel Tom was in his mid to late 80s, and he was in horrible physical shape. He was. He was hugely overweight. He he couldn't. He had you know he had, he he. I think he was in a wheelchair. I mean he was he was really not in in good health at all. Sure. But to your point, he also knew that. Wait a minute. There's some there's some money to be made here because this is a milestone Elvis birthday and and I'm connected to Elvis. So there's Tur- Colonel Tom signing autographs. In a in a banquet room at the ho- at the at the former International Hotel where Elvis played, and there's a huge Elvis um, statue in the lobby to commemorate okay. those shows. And but here's the best thing: talk about still squeezing blood out of the turnip. You had to if you wanted to get a picture or an autograph with Colonel Tom, it was thirty five dollars. Okay, and you had to buy a special picture to get his autograph. If you didn't buy that picture. You couldn't get his autograph. And how much does a picture cost? Uh, same thing, thirty-five. <laughs> and and so I figured, look, I'm born on Elvis's birthday, right? So I'm going to appeal to Colonel Tom's, uh, you know, to his sentimentality. Yeah. He, you know, I, I'm just going to buy one of these postcards for two dollars, but he'll sign it for me because I'm born on Elvis's birthday, right? Sure. Yeah, you got to pass. Yeah, I get up there. And I'm telling him I'm born on Elvis's birthday, ba ba ba. And and I said, "Can you sign this?" He goes, "You got to buy the picture, pal." <laughs> and I said, "Trying to get that money." Yeah, and I said, "Yeah, but you know," he goes, "You got to buy the picture, pal." <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, this guy is—he's—he's he's not letting up. Elvis has he's been re- dead yeah, for he's relentless to the end. Yeah, for and, how and many the movie, years? They also show all the merchandising, you know, all those things—the teddy bears, right? The hound dogs, all that stuff." That was all Colonel Tom. That was all his, you know, doing in making that happen. Yeah. Uh, we're going to uh, take a quick break here. When we come back on the other side, we'll continue to talk to Michaela about the new Elvis movie. And then we're going to uh, segue into a, a, a broader topic because I'm sure this movie is going to have uh, some impact, just the way the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie did for Queen, of introducing Elvis to an entirely new generation. And Elvis could use a, an image uh, rejuvenation, because uh, as much as he is still recognized as the king of rock and roll and he has a huge following, um, Elvis's legacy is complex, and his image, I would assume, with younger people has got to be a little strange, because he's probably more of a, of a Halloween costume than a rock and roll star. And so my question is going to be to Mick, and we can discuss this, is can Elvis be cool again? So we'll talk about the film and we'll discuss the legacy of Elvis Presley right after this message. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. No switching. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning. But listen, anyway, have Mick Kaler on the phone in the Pop Culture Club here. We're talking about the new Elvis movie that was released this Friday. Um, I would assume this is going to be the number one movie of the week, don't you think? I would think so, yeah. I mean, there were a few advanced screenings on Thursday, but I heard that uh, it's selling well, and it should definitely do well for sure. I want to add a little uh, a little postscript to the story about my uh, my Colonel Tom meeting. Someone, okay. Someone called in. Um, no, I did not buy the $35 picture, and I did not get <laughs> Colonel, Colonel Tom's autograph because I did not want to give him the satisfaction. 
I was I'm getting that money out of you. I was born on Elvis's birthday. That's not enough for you to bend the rules a little, Colonel. Come on, is it going to hurt he, you? He wouldn't roll like that. You know, yeah, funny too, because in the movie, the, the, the movie starts out with Colonel Tom in a hospital gown, being rushed to a hospital, uh, and then he's walking through a casino with his little uh, the IV, uh, you know, the little ca- uh, carriage, and he's, and he's talking, and he looks very old and decrepit. It's like at the very end of his life, and he's reflecting back on his time with Elvis. So uh, when you talk about how he didn't look in the best of health, that's kind of how they showed uh, Colonel Parker at the beginning of the movie. So what I did want to talk about on uh, dovetailing off this new film, because I, I would assume that this movie is going to introduce, um, you know, it's going to either play to the, the great throng and legions of Elvis fans out there around the world, but to some extent it's also going to uh, play an important role to introduce Elvis to a whole new generation, just as the Queen film Bohemian Rhapsody did to a whole new generation, and now Queen and Eddie, Eddie uh, Freddie Mercury are iconic. You would think that, you would think after that movie that Queen was as big as Elvis. Yeah, in fact, it's funny you mention that about Queen because I hear Queen songs on all sorts of different commercials that I never oh, heard yeah. before. Yeah, it, it's it's been a whole you know new sense of awareness, and, and 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 also let's not forget about the Elton John movie, what that's done too. You know, certainly I mean, Elton was already on the big you know farewell tour, uh, which is going on forever and ever. But still, same thing. It's like, hey, let's show some younger people what this guy is all about. Now, my question though with Elvis, Elvis has a very complex legacy um you know i mean first of all while the impersonators have have done elvis uh a uh you know a, a, a favor by keeping his his persona alive they've also done him disfavor because he's become a caricature he's become a halloween costume right uh, and, and especially when you talk about the later elvis with the jumpsuits and the scarves and, and the that's, belts and the karate chops and yeah. that's and that's the the image that most people uh, the impersonators uh you know you know, try to recreate because it's more flashy. So you see the big pompadour and the mutton chop, uh, you know, uh, sideburns and the glasses and the and the cape and the jumpsuit and the karate chops and all that. And you rarely see the cool Elvis from 1955, right? Or this- or the Elvis from the comeback special in 1968. And you don't hear. I mean, think about it. When you listen, like you're talking about music being on the radio or even on commercials, Elvis has set. Now, a lot of his records have been broken, but for 20 years, Elvis held most every pop music record or concert attendance record in in the business. And you don't really hear Elvis music all that much on the radio or on commercials, because I think the, mu- the music has sadly taken a back seat to this kind of cartoonish image of who, of who people think he is now, especially younger people, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And the good news is with the movie, Jim, is they show, I mean, they show uh, Elvis, you know, acting out at the end, but you see very little of the jumpsuits and the scarves and all that kind of stuff. You really do see, like you're talking about Elvis in the 50s and 60s when he joined, when he went in the Army, the 68 special is so, the comeback special is covered so well. And I got to be honest. In the movie, as well as in real life, I don't think Elvis ever looked cooler than in the black leather outfit with the red guitar playing in that studio audience, making the comeback special, and they they present that really well in the film. So you're seeing in the Elvis movie a lot more of what you and I would consider the cooler Elvis and a lot less of that caricature. Well, uh, Mick, uh, thank you for joining us today and a uh, little insights on the film. I definitely want to see this. I do feel a kinship because we, 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 we share the same birthday. But I do hope that Elvis can get cool again, and I hope that there can be an image and a legacy um, revival for him. As I said, it's complex, you know, the whole idea of him appropriating the black music, but at the same time, if it wasn't for Elvis playing that music within that system in those times, we may, we never, we may never have heard of Little Richard or Chuck Berry. So, you know, it, it's, 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 it's conflicting, but at the end of the day, Elvis is, is and was a cultural icon, and he deserves to, to get that recognition. So hopefully this movie will, will help in that, and hopefully those that are in charge of his image will, will try to start to repair it and elevate him and elevate him, or elevis, what, what would be the word? Elevate? Elevate? El- elevation. 
there you go. You go like that. <laughs> but bring him back to the prominence that I think he deserves. But uh, I, I, like I said, I think the movie's going to help. And by the way, you mentioned Little Richard, and the guy who plays Little Richard in the film is really good too. And yeah. it just, it, like I said, the, the scenes when he's when he's around the black musicians. They jump so fast, and I think it's going to be a real turn on to younger people to see that kind okay. of energy and something different than what they're used to. And again, it's showing the much cooler side yeah. of Elvis for sure. All right, Mick, thanks a lot. I got to run. Uh, little sister, don't you do what your big sister done? And don't. Uh, My favorite Elvis too. Thanks, buddy. Don't switch. Jim Toronto, right here at WGN. Jim Toronto here at WGN, seven twenty a.m. Filling in for Dean Richards, but listen anyway. On the phone, we have Rick Pearson, chief political reporter and editor, or reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And this uh, has to be uh, coming up on Tuesday, like your Super Bowl, huh, Rick? Uh, it's the, uh, I call it uh, being the accountant at tax time. <laughs> well, uh, certainly uh, in the last couple of days, uh, the political world uh, and our country took a, a, a seismic shift. Uh, with the Supreme Court's um, ruling on Roe versus Wade, and uh, as we look to the January or the June twenty eighth uh, primary here in Illinois on um, on Tuesday, um, do you believe that uh, that that is going to have an influence in terms of energizing uh, voters to come out and vote? Um, impacting who could win or who might not based on their views on on, on abortion. How do you see? Do you see this uh, this Road versus Wade overturning on on Friday uh, having an impact uh, on our primary on Tuesday? I, I think it could energize turnout on both sides among the uh, Republican core base as well as among the Democratic base. But as far as having an effect on outcomes, I think it really won't have that much of an effect because obviously the positions on abortion are are roughly aligned with uh, our partisan politics. And remember, Tuesday's election is a primary, so it's a partisan election. You go and cast either a Democratic primary ballot or a Republican primary ballot. And people, the the candidates who are aligned with Republican, uh, you take a look at the six people running for the Republican nomination for governor, they all oppose abortion. Right. Uh, You look at the candidates on the Democratic side, for 99.9% of them support uh, the right to an abortion. So the real effect will be in November. And that's where it's, you know, you don't have to declare a party to, to vote for something. Everybody gets to vote. And that also includes independent voters who, you know, don't want to necessarily align themselves with either party. And that's where the issues of, of Roe v. Wade, I think, play most heavily. Uh, and particularly in a state like Illinois with more Democrats and more Democratic-leaning voters and independents than Republicans, uh, this might be something to offset those much-talked-about headwinds uh, for Repub- that Democrats are facing uh, due to things like uh, the state of the economy and inflation and gas prices. But we're a long, long way from November. And, you know, in politics, uh, as well as in a short attention span society, <laughs> uh, a, lot, a lot of things can happen. So do you, uh, what, what, uh, considering this is a midterm, it's an off-year election, it's not a presidential election, uh, historically, even in the, in the general elections, uh, the voter turnout is lower, and in the primaries, as you said, uh, primary voting is even uh, lower, low as well. Uh, would you expect, you said, you said uh, there might be, what would you consider um, an uptick uh in the in the percentage i mean i don't do you have any idea of like what the the usual uh percentage of uh is say in illinois what the voting is uh during the primaries uh well in in in, in off presidential years yeah it's, you know substantially lower i mean it, right. and you know can can even be in the 20 percentile uh, area so then if and, it, so, well, if, if, so on tuesday if it turned out to be 30 could you attribute that to to uh you know the uh the supreme court's decision Sure. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, another factor to consider, too, is, you know, we have 
such expanded early voting and mail vote by mail in the state and part of it you know obviously driven by the the pandemic uh, two years ago but you also have to wonder too how many people have already voted prior to that ruling coming out on friday oh that's a good point right and so and and typically you know and this was part of uh during uh, donald trump's uh, re-election bid where he talked down the the notion of uh, vote by mail or early voting and and that everybody should just vote on one day one national day that tends to kind of indicate for his core and republican supporters that they don't vote by mail they will vote on election day right and so that the early voting uh, probably skews much more heavily to Democrats. Well, the uh, the polls are open on Tuesday from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. if you haven't already voted uh, early and uh, and are going to head out to the polls. Um, now, it seems, interestingly enough, like you just said, while Illinois uh, has become uh, more of a blue state over the last several years and we have a Democratic uh, governor, the interesting governor race in this primary is on the Republican side. Absolutely. I mean, that the, there is a, you know, Governor Pritzker has nominal opposition, really statewide. The only major uh, race for Democrats on the, in the Democratic primary is the race to uh, replace Jesse White, who is uh, retiring after uh, a long, long tenure as Secretary of State. But on the Republican side, yeah, it's a matter of trying to see basically, and I, I think what we'll see through the through the lens here is, the direction that Illinois Republican voters want the party to go. And we've seen over the years a a gradual further right shift of the party. And there's always been a a, a battle between moderates and conservatives over control of the party. And past history has shown that in this state, uh, Republicans are successful statewide in a general election if they are have more of a socially moderate, fiscally conservative stance. This time around, you've got six uh, candidates who all profess themselves to be conservatives to varying degrees. And, you know, you've got uh, Darren Bailey, who a state senator from a small town in southern Illinois, southeastern Illinois, uh, getting Donald Trump's endorsement last night actively seeking Donald Trump's endorsement. And uh, there's no doubt that a a Bailey victory uh, on Tuesday would be a a leading indicator of just how much that acceleration of the Republican core has moved to the right. Now, would you say um, there was interesting news this week? Uh, Ken Griffin, who is the head of the the multi-billion dollar uh, hedge fund Citadel mentioned that the, they are going to move Citadel's headquarters out of Chicago and into Florida, into Miami. Uh, he is a major contributor to um, to Richard Irvin, the uh, the mayor of Aurora, and has been responsible for you know giving his campaign uh, tons of money. That's why you see so many of those commercials. Um, the fact that he would be leaving the state of Illinois while he is endorsing. A, a governor, a candidate for governor, uh, does that sort of signal a fact that he doesn't feel that uh, Irvin has a chance? Uh, I, I think, you know, when you look at politics, you always look at optics. And the optics of uh, Ken Griffin's comments, which I write about on today's uh, front page of the Tribune, uh, the optics of that are, are yes, uh, surrender, uh, <laughs> giving up. And that's, uh, and that's he, a few it, days before the election. Right. Uh, and so you had Griffin, who who basically funded and put together a slate headed by Irvin with uh, $50 million. And uh, Griffin, now having said he's moved to Florida, formerly the state's wealthiest person, right. worth over $20 billion. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and uh, what the team Griffin didn't uh, adequately plan for was the attacks on Irvin and the backhanded support for Bailey that uh, Governor Pritzker and the Democratic Governors Association, which Pritzker uh, funds, 
to run a multi-million dollar ad campaign uh, attacking Irvin and offering a, a backhanded way to support Bailey by conservatives in the primary by saying he's too conservative for Illinois. Right. And so uh, the, the I mean, the, the expectations are not good for the Irvin campaign. And they even say that they, you know, uh, weren't expecting the magnitude of spending against them that occurred and throw in, you know, the fact that Bailey is, is backed by his own billionaire, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Dick, Dick Uline, who's of the, uh, the Uline office supply company, who's a billionaire and an ultra conservative mega donor to causes nationally. He's put in $17 million in support of Bailey as, and as well directly to Bailey, uh, in support of Bailey, as well as to uh, a political action committee that's been running urban attack and, ads in an effort to boost Bailey. And didn't he sue uh, the state or uh, sue Governor Pritzker during the, uh, the the early days of COVID too? Didn't he? Yeah. Well. Yeah. And, and Bailey is is perhaps the most uh, conservative, outspoken opponent of Pritzker. Uh, he, he sued him over the pandemic mitigations. Uh, calling him a tyrant over those those mitigation orders, uh, and actually the lawyer that he used is a candidate for attorney general who's running against the Griffin slated candidate. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, that's that's definitely and and frankly that was one of the reasons Trump said that he endorsed uh, Bailey was because of his outspokenness uh. against. Pritzker over COVID. I mean, Bailey, uh, when the when during the uh, one of the height of COVID, uh, Bailey, there was a the Illinois House actually moved to a civic center uh, to hold its sessions that was larger so that social distancing could take place, and there was a requirement that every member wear a mask and stay six feet away. And Bailey uh, came in and refused to wear a mask. And uh, the entire House voted to have him removed. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. It's a. This is. A, this is a very interesting. Uh, interesting Tuesday as we as we see all this stuff shake out. I'm talking to Rick Pearson of the uh, the chief political reporter for the Chicago Tribune. We're going to continue to talk about some of the more hotly contested high profile races on this Tuesday. Don't forget whatever your your party affiliation, whatever your views are on issues, the most important thing is to vote. And we saw the importance of that uh, on this Friday. Uh, whatever your views were on abortion, whether you were pro-choice or pro-life, the fact is that there were chances to vote, uh, certainly in 2016, if uh, if abortion rights were one of your main uh, your main goals, um, you probably should have voted for Hillary Clinton, because even if you didn't like her pantsuits um, or whatever you didn't like about her, she certainly would have had a chance to name, just like Donald Trump did, three uh, justices, and uh, most likely what we saw happen on, on Friday most likely would not have happened. So voting counts. That's all I'm saying here. Whatever your thoughts are, get out there and vote because it does make a difference. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. We'll be back after this. No switching. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning. I have um, Rick Pearson on the phone, chief uh, political reporter for the Chicago Tribune. One of uh, the more interesting uh, uh, races uh, on Tuesday, Election Day, election primary here in Illinois, is for the 1st Congressional District, uh, filling the uh, seat of of Bobby Rush. 17 Democrats and uh, four Republicans running for that seat, Rick. <laughs> well, and of course, you know, that's, that's truly one of those seats that whoever wins the Democratic primary is going to be the, the win in Congress. The district is so overwhelmingly Democrat that... Uh, the Republican any any Republican nominated there is is virtually no chance of winning, and and it also shows how you know you have these congressional seats. Uh, we're going you know we just came through a redistricting because of the census. Illinois loses one congressional seat, and the Democrats that control the legislature drew the districts in an effort to keep the states, if not expand, 
Democratic majority in the U.S. House delegation. And so, you know, the first is a, a prime example of a district that is Democratic protected um, and uh, Certainly, where uh, you know that you you have you have a career in Congress ahead of you if you win that if you win that district. And I of, mean, you look at Bobby Bobby Rush being there for thirty years, and of course, uh, one of the I mean, in a, in a in a Democratic uh, uh, you know field here of seventeen uh, and seventeen candidates, name recognition is obviously uh, very important, and uh, we have a member of the Jesse Jackson family in that election. That's right. Jonathan Jackson is is in this race. You called her called her woman Pat Dowell. I don't, I don't want to go through the entire list, but no. uh, there are several names that are that are known in the district. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly, you know, there's the issue of, of Jackson being well known. Uh, he's under some controversy for not having filed uh, the economic disclosure reports timely. Uh, also, uh, questions about outside support from uh, the cryptocurrency industry. And, you know, the, the, it will be an interesting question to see if the cachet of the Jackson name uh, still lasts, uh, you know, so many years after his father had been, a, a you know, a presidential candidate and, and uh, you know, obviously the veteran civil rights leader. Uh, and, of course, we, we had a uh, uh, Jackson in Congress before, and that didn't turn out so. No, well. that didn't go very well. Although it, it was good for the auction block of Van Halen um, <laughs> guitars, I recall. <laughs> yeah, a, a number, a number of a number of uh, auction items. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, Rick, I want to thank you so much for uh, for getting through this landscape here. It's uh, it's always fun to. Uh, I, I love politics, and I love elections. I always vote. Uh, I will be going out on Tuesday, and I wanted to have you on today to not only help us uh, navigate this, but also to just show the importance and remind people Tuesday is Election Day in Chicago, in the Chicago area, in the whole state, obviously. Um, polls open from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Get out there, vote, whatever your issues are, whatever your opinions are. We are, yes, a very divided country right now, but we should all be united on the fact that we should go out and vote. Rick Pearson from the Chicago Tribune, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I'm sure, as I said, enjoy Tuesday. This is your Super Bowl. Jim, thank you so much. And great to hear the Sunday crew of uh, Andy and Schwani as well. Uh, Take care. Very good. good. To hear you too, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> there you go, Schwani. There you go. A nice little, little, a nice little uh, you know, little, little nod of the hat to, uh, to Schwani. You, you, you always like those, don't you, Schwani? Sure. Sure. Why not? Who doesn't like a nice compliment? <laughs> I'll give you one right now. Um, here's the news with Dave Schwann. Good day, sunshine. We certainly have a good day, and there's a lot of sunshine today on this Sunday afternoon. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning, or now this afternoon. Dean uh, was on for the first couple hours of the show, and then uh, he left around 11 to um, take part in the Pride Day Parade on the WGN television uh, float on that parade that started at noon. It's kicked off, so I'm sure they're traversing the streets of the city right now, having a good time. But if you've been on the radio here in, since 11 o'clock, hopefully you've also had a nice time as well. Um I had uh, I, earlier in the show, uh, earlier when I started uh, here around eleven, I was talking about I had some throat problems um, recently, and I was looking for uh, any kind of remedies that uh, that people might have. I was under a very uh, intense regimen of anything warm, hot water, hot complexes, uh, compresses, and then I put uh, some lemon. I had honey. I had salt water. Um, and a few people here on the text line have actually um, suggested some other things, too, that I'm going to jot down here. Uh, somebody has suggested port wine works, and someone else talked about brandy. So perhaps alcohol uh, has uh, some kind of a good effect on a sore throat or a, a raspy voice to, to soothe or or in some ways i said i had a a remedy with a cider vinegar and honey and hot water to gargle that and it did seem to loosen up 
the congestion in my throat. Um, someone else talked about something called honeys, honey-filled uh, cough drops. Honeys, H-O-N-E-E-S. Honeys, honey-filled cough drops. So I'm going to look for those maybe. Um, also another concoction with the lemon and hot water or the cider vinegar and honey and hot water. This one has a purified water. Um, salt and baking soda. I never heard about that one, so I might try that one. And then uh, someone also just uh, sent me a picture of a of a throat spray that is called Barleans, B A R L E A N apostrophe S, and it is an olive leaf um, complex of a throat spray. Olive leaf. Never thought about that. Just got a text now about throat coat tea. Yes, uh, I did use throat coat tea. I went through about four boxes of that over a week's period. As I said, I also went through about seven bottles beer, you know, those little bear bottles, you know, the little the honey bear bottles. I went through about six of those in a week, using a lot of honey. But yes, throat coat did seem to do um, to do me to do me fine. So uh, I will certainly have that on hand. But I'm going to take a look at some of these other remedies that uh, that people suggested as well because um uh, this is my instrument some people play the guitar some people play the piano uh, i uh, i use my voice and so yes i have to keep my instrument in tip-top shape and uh it was getting a little rough after doing a play for three hours five days a week uh, toward the end of the run it really started to um to give me some troubles not completely i was a trooper the show must go on did not miss a show um but uh, i certainly had to um on a daily basis uh, revive my voice to get it into uh, into workable shape. So I'm going to try out some of these re- remedies uh, that uh, people suggested. Also, just before uh, we came back in the break, there was um, an ad here for uh, or spot for uh, for Ravinia. If you're going to Ravinia any time in the next week or so, or if you have been there, but if you're going to go in the next week, uh, don't forget to pick up the Ravinia magazine, which is available free at the venue uh, whenever you go to see uh, any kind of program or or a concert there, uh, because I wrote the uh, cover story on the current issue of Ravinia Magazine. Uh, the cover story is about um, a local jazz uh, musician named Marquis Hill. And uh, just this past, well, about a, uh, well, last week, um, the uh, the Ravinia had a, a tribute to Ramsey Lewis, the the great jazz legend from Chicago still lives in Chicago, and uh, Marquise Hill uh, was one of the main players in that tribute and actually helped conceptualize it. And so we, uh, I talked to him and did an interview with him, and that's the cover story. Not only does he talk about Ramsey Lewis and his importance to jazz, uh, and as I said, an icon in Chicago as well, but uh, also talks about his own Chicago roots, and uh, he wound up... Um, Started his career as a as a young kid in a Ravinia Jazz Mentors program. So uh, local boy uh, done good on the cover of Ravinia magazine. I wrote that story, uh, Marquise Hill. So if you're going to Ravinia in the next couple of weeks or so, uh, make sure you pick up the uh, the free magazine and the cover story on uh, Marquise Hill. I was talking about my throat problems. Uh, this has been an interesting uh, couple of months for me, uh, health wise. Uh, thankfully the, the voice thing was, was temporary, although, as I said, it was a good week or so at the end of the day, for all the different remedies, rest is really the best thing. Uh, it was hard for me, but I had to shut up for a couple of days in order to get my voice back. We had a couple of days off before the next round of five shows started. And, uh, I really just didn't, in, in, in addition to all these different remedies, I did find, I think the best thing was just. Keep your mouth shut, Jim. And I know a lot of people are saying, I, geez, we wish you would do that all the time. But uh, no, no, no. But um, I had an amazing, um, uh, uh, just, uh, I literally saw the light, if you will. In April, I had cataract surgery. I had my right eye done on the 14th of April, and I had my left eye done on the 28th. And I... I, you know, everybody talks about cataracts, you hear about cataracts, and if you hear people tell the stories after they've had cataracts, you hear these, these stories about people talking about how the, 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 their, their, their vision changes literally overnight in a second, and there's more light, there's more color, there's more detail, and it almost sounds unbelievable. 
until you have it done. And I have to say, I had no idea how much my vision had been slowly declining, especially to see in the distance. I was having, um, you know, some troubles as as the last, especially over the last couple of years, really seeing uh, street signs when I was driving. Half the time, <laughs> I would drive through the intersection as I passed through the intersection, and then finally saw the sign. I'd say, "Oh, that's where I was supposed to turn right." And meanwhile, I was through the intersection. So I realized that something was going on, and um, and my doctor was saying over the last several years, you know, the cataracts are there. And you may need to, you know, have this done and you let me know when you can. Basically, it's it's kind of like this thing where at least I went to two different uh, eye doctors and they both said the same thing. You have to tell me when it's becoming detrimental to you, which I think is an interesting diagnosis or guidance, because if I if, if I don't know how bad my sight is, then how do I know? Because my gosh. When he just did the first eye, and I had two weeks later, I had the second one done. When he did the first eye, when I opened that eye, I could not believe the difference. And just as everybody says, and just as the doctor had said, the color, I could see far, I could see three blocks ahead of me. I'm now I am, I have my turn signal on five blocks ahead because I can read that street sign and I know exactly where I'm going and I am no longer late for anything and I am not going through intersections because I can see those street signs. It was unbelievable. It, it was as if you, I was looking, I didn't realize how bad it was, but now I realize it was almost as if I was looking through a dirty window. And suddenly somebody gave me a bottle of that purple sparkle stuff. And you just, I sprayed it on there and, and, and cleaned off the window and finally looked through a clean window. Holy cow, what a difference. That was just one eye. Two weeks later, I came back for the second eye. I thought I had x-ray vision. I thought I was seeing through people. The, my vision was so was so improved. And so all I can tell you is if you have any questions, I mean, the, the procedure was painless. It took about 15 minutes. Um, it was actually pretty cool. It was almost like uh, living through the song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. You saw these, these your, your eyes were like kaleidoscope eyes. There was this one portion uh, during the, the procedure where I, was, I saw all these different colors. It was, it was the best acid trip without ever taking acid you were ever going to have. And, uh, but it was painless, uh, and uh, I had nothing uh, afterward. The follow-up, no pain. My eyesight was immediately... Uh, improved by, by, I can't even tell you how much. Right now, I, I'm looking through the window, and I can see Steve Dale. Uh, two months ago, I could not have seen him. Now I see he has a blue shirt. Uh, he's got a pimple on his nose. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. In fact, <laughs> well, that's the thing. The thing that, that I've learned now, there's a lot of people that, uh, you can grab one of those. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, that have not benefited from my new uh, site because I've seen what they really look like now. <laughs> and I would be one of those. And I'm one of those. I looked in the mirror at myself and you I went, whoa, who's that guy? <laughs> and when, when, when did he get so old looking? So it, believe me, I went, ah, myself. And now I'm watching television. I'm seeing some of these people on TV regularly. I'm like... You know, that person is not benefiting from my cataract surgery. And high-def TV. Oh, yeah. Well, that's been... But I did not realize how great... Because I guess it's so gradual. I did not realize but how... But you didn't wear glasses, did you? Well, I had a very, I had a very, very weak uh, prescription just to, to possibly see distance. But now, wow. I mean, it is, it is literally night and day, and figuratively. But um, if you have any misgivings, uh, I would say... I do. Do you? Well, I don't have cataracts. Oh, okay, well, I'm just saying if you have if you have oh, oh. a cataract problem and somebody and, and your doctor is saying well, it might be time and you've been holding off, 
I, you know, and hey, look, any kind of surgery, and especially your eye, it's always very weird when people get around your no, eye. It's, isn't that weird? I mean, yeah. Yeah, people can touch your ears, right? Your nose, no problem, but not your eye. But uh, but I'll have to tell you, uh, wow! I uh, this, I am the greatest advocate for this. Uh, I am seeing things that I haven't seen before. Some of that's good, some of that's bad. But wow, uh, the world is literally a different place. It, there's more color, and there's certainly more detail. Uh, and uh, You're so, a cataract I, ambassador. I am ambassador for cataracts. Yes, I am. I am I available. Hope you get free parking. I, <laughs> yeah, and I had to pay for it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a quick break here. We'll be back after this. No switching. Hey, it's Jim Toronto here, filling in for Dean Richards. And aren't you glad you listened anyway? It's a couple of minutes here. We're creeping on the hour of one. Steve Dale will be uh, taking over the uh, the cockpit here. He's going to be talking about public safety on trains. He's going to be talking about beer with the uh, the head of the Sipe Brewery. And he's going to be talking about gelato. How could you go wrong with that? So stay tuned for Steve Dale after the news at 1 o'clock. Uh, I want to thank my guests, uh, Mick Kaler. We talked a little about Elvis. I want to thank uh, Rick Pearson from the Tribune talking about uh, uh, Tuesday's a little preview of Tuesday's uh, primary election here in, uh, in Illinois. Once again, don't forget, get out there and vote. Polls are open from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find out where your polling place is um, and, uh, and get out and vote. Whatever your uh, opinions or your stances are on any of the leading issues of the day, put that aside. We should be united on one thing. It's an important right and it's a great privilege in this country to vote so exercise your vote jim toronto filling in for dean richards hope you had a good time i certainly did and we'll talk again soon